You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. Uh, amazing. Well, Simone, thank you so much for being here on Spark TV uh, with our virtual vinos. I'm so excited. Cheers to you. Cheers. Um, now, let's start off by talking about Nine Yards. So I know this is your people and culture consultancy. Talk to me about what that means. What is the business? So we exist to help create great people experiences for businesses, for where they are today and where they really want to be tomorrow. So what that means in simple terms is we help businesses with their people strategy. So, for example, it could be we have a client that is just starting out and is about to recruit their first people and they just needed help with contracts and policies Mm. and just some advice about how to really set themselves up for success to ensure this new team member is engaged and feels really supported. We also have other businesses who have grown really quickly. You know, we know that that growth can happen um, sometimes in a matter of months Mm. and they've suddenly found themselves with a team and these co-founders are starting to think about, well, what does that mean and how do we create a great team environment for them? So we went in and just gave um, them some support in terms of running a feedback session and getting their input into what they wanted to see their culture, um, what they wanted that culture to look like and helped create a people plan for them. But then the other end of the spectrum is we go in and help existing HR teams and really establish businesses who may not have the resources, they might not have the time or the focus for a particular project. So we can kind of support businesses wherever they're at and in terms of what their needs are as well. This is so cool because (laughs) I, (laughs) being a startup founder myself, I always found people the biggest challenge. Um, You know, I came from corporate world uh, where I didn't manage anybody. I was a salesperson, so my destiny was always in my own hands. And then I started a business and it took off and we hired people and you know, the one thing someone once said to me, culture is never finished. And I was like, wow, that's so true. And, you know, because people come and go, like, you know, that whole, the whole people conundrum was always (laughs) something that I really, really struggled with. So I'm super keen to explore that a little bit. But before we do, did you always have a business? Did you have a career beforehand? What was kind of your journey to actually starting a business? Yeah, so I had been in HR roles for 20 odd years and I came to a real crossroads in my career and I wanted to do meaningful work and really create impact. 
but I wanted flexibility. And this is pre-COVID times as well. So let's go back a few years. Excellent. (laughs) Um, I've got twins who are nine now and I really wanted to be present for them and do drop-offs and pick-ups and all of that. And I was really struggling to think about how I could make this work, to be honest. Mm. And I went out for lunch with my two colleagues at the time, Rochelle and Kira, who happen to be my business partners now. Oh, wow. I know. And over a girl's lunch, as these conversations go, we started to think about, you know, what could this look like? We were mums or wanted to be mums. And we just thought, you know, how great would it be to be able to do our own thing? And we started to then think about the fact that we've helped so many friends and people in our network over the years with HR challenges they were having at the time and, you know, just giving them some advice or directing them in terms of a pathway. And we thought, could there be an opportunity to combine that sort of support for businesses who may not have access to our expertise otherwise Mm. and that flexibility? And it was really in that lunch on Collins Street um, in Melbourne (laughs) Over a couple of bottles of bubbly. That (laughs) That always helps. It always helps. helps. Great idea. Great idea. Uh, That's where our business was born. And that night we started our group chat called Dream Team and we're off. So it was really exciting. That is incredible. I I mean, I love it. So so then there's so there's three of you that started it. Yes. So there's we're all co-founders in the business. Um Kira, Rochelle, and myself. Amazing. And have you all, do you all wear separate hats or do similar roles with different clients? Like how do you actually structure the business? Yeah. So we all play very hands-on roles. So we are people partners with our clients. So we partner with them to support them in their people and culture strategy. We do overlap and we kind of support where the client might need. So if it is a big piece of work, we might do it together, which is quite nice. Um, But then we also play a role in trying to run the business and as you know as being a um, business owner it's a bit chaotic at times and you're trying to just do things and juggle a lot of hats but we've taken a bit of a reflection period to go okay we need to get a bit more structured about some of these things and that's really our focus for the next 12 to 18 months we've all got um, functional areas that we've identified and we're going to take some ownership of that as well. That's so cool. And I think that in the early days, it is kind of chaos, right? But yeah. it is also because you're kind of just figuring it out. You know, it's like, what is important to us as a business? What roles are we going to play? Um, sometimes you don't want to overcook things as well and spend all of this time getting set up and then never, and never having any customers or anything. So you do actually need to dive in a little bit. So I kind of love that, that you guys have Dove, divin, divin. Oh my God. You dove in. You dove in. (laughs) You did it. You did it. You did it. (laughs) And now you're optimizing. I think that's such a smart approach to business. Um, Yeah, that you really prioritize customers and and those side of things first. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you start out, you actually don't know what it's going to look like and where you're going to end up. And what we thought we might have been doing is quite different in a way to what our clients need and want. So Mm -hmm. it has been a real learning journey. Um, But yeah, it's really exciting. That's so cool. And I love that. I um, I was just talking to someone who different business, more of a product-based business, but exactly the same philosophy that you've really got to focus on what your customers want. Otherwise, you're not going to be building the right solutions and, and kind of growing the business. So actually being adaptable and, and hearing what they need, I think is so important in business. Yeah. yeah. And 
one of our values is actually tilt and it's all around kind of being really agile and responding and learning and yeah we've definitely lived that over the last two and a half years so that was one thing we got right that's that so good oh my gosh and I'm super impressed that this is all you know pre-COVID flexibility obviously that would have thrown another set of challenges at you yeah 100 I think that was probably one of our biggest challenges because we launched and two weeks later we went into our first lockdown. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, yep. the timing was amazing. But, you know, all these plans we had about launching and meeting people and events just suddenly obviously went to the to the side. And mm. we're no different to any other business, but I think what was unique about us is we had one client on our books at that point. So it really was a bit of a challenging time. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. I sat there going, oh, God, what have I done? What did we do? I, <laughs> I stuck with it, but it would have given me the security. And there were all these kind of things mm. going through my head. And I still remember, you know, dialing into a Zoom two years ago was a bit of a novelty at that point, but, you know, two and a half years ago. And the three of us just looking at each other going, okay, what now? Like, what mm. does this mean? But, mm. you know, safe to say we've um, survived and we're thriving now, but um, yeah, it was a bit of a challenging period. Well, and I'm also kind of thinking, obviously all of these companies are going through this challenging period, having access to a group like you guys who can help navigate the people element might even be a little bit of good timing as well. You know what? Absolutely. Because suddenly HR was the expert and businesses were looking to us to say, well, what do we do? You know, what's a hybrid policy? How do we keep engagement alive when people are working from home and not seeing each other in the traditional ways? So absolutely, when the dust settled after those first kind of few weeks, there was a lot of opportunity to think about how you really curate work. It's like, to be honest, for a HR person, it's really exciting to think about, you know, creating a new way of doing things. And we were, you know, really grateful to be working with leaders who were open to ideas around how could we, you know, make this a really um, exciting time for the team, even given the circumstances they were in. So... Yeah, absolutely. So we, a lot of our audience are smaller businesses. Um, so, or even solo founders who are just taking the leap into hiring their first employees in this new world that we do live in, that tends to be either remote or super hybrid. What do you think that there are any sort of trends or key strategies that you've seen work really well for businesses? Yeah, I think First of all, congratulations. It is a very exciting time when you're, you know, building your team for the first time. So it is very exciting. But there are a couple of things to think about. And I think depending on the industry that you're in, what we're seeing now from employees is a number one need for them is flexibility. Mm. And flexibility is really unique and it's very personal depending on the, the individual. It might mean, you know, having a day off a week. It could be being available to drop their child off at school. So mm. I think really understanding that is important and thinking about your policies around that. I think also, like you said, you need to be deliberate around culture. You know, culture is something that if you don't start to put your stamp on, will create itself and you want yeah. to have that ownership over it. And culture can exist if people are working remotely or they are hybrid or they're not seeing each other all the time. But you just really need to think about all the different mechanisms that feed into culture and 
having a bit of a plan for each of those. So things like recognition, you know, how do you still reward and recognise people if they're not all at a stand-up every Friday morning, for example? Mm. You know, how do you still communicate in an effective way that links, you know, what you're doing to your vision and purpose? You know, there are so many different elements to it that can work and it's been proven to work over the last couple of years. And those are the types of conversations we have with founders and leaders around, you know, how do we build that plan for you to make it work for your business? That's so cool. I I, I really love that because I think that as, you know, a small business owner or a startup founder, you're, you kind of think that you have to hire a full-time person, like, you know, or that it's almost the spectrum of, I either need to hire someone into this role and it's not really the first role that I want to hire, or I'm Googling solutions to this problem. And there are so many different things out there and none of it's bespoke to me. So I just love the idea that, you know, you can sit down with somebody like you and kind of talk about, well, what is the vision? What is, what am I actually doing here? Um, You know, having that opportunity to kind of brainstorm and understand best practices and all of those types of things. I think that's super cool as a business owner. Yeah. And what we found was, you're right, HR, first of all, a lot of business owners, if they haven't worked in a corporate role before, don't really know what HR could do. They think of us as the hiring and firing team and it's all about kind of rules. And it's so much more than that. And I Mm. think all of our experience is in what we kind of consider business partnering roles. So we always partner with businesses to understand their goals and and their strategy, and then we help them deliver that through their people. And so we have a broad experience and we bring that expertise. We've worked in a number of organisations, global and local, and we bring that expertise. And like you said, a lot of businesses might only need us one day a month, and that's totally fine because that's all they need. We, mm-hmm. you know, and we're, we're very conscious of not giving businesses or overselling to businesses when they genuinely don't need something. You know, we really cater to them, their needs, their business, and really try to create impact for them that way. That's so cool. So going back to then you as the business owner um, and co-founder, how a couple of questions I've got for you. <laughs> Firstly, how have you found it with having other co-founders? Um, you know, so, I do see a lot of, you know, instances where co-founders start out with all amazing ideas and happy, happy, happy over champagne, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but they kind of forget to agree on, you know, fundamentals and, you know, go through different challenges. But I'm super curious with three co-founders, how you've navigated that, whether you kind of put things in place in the beginning to avoid challenges or whether you learned along the way, like what was your approach? Yeah, and it is a really good point. And my co-founders, we're all really good friends as well. So, you know, which is amazing. Yeah, which is amazing. But you are right. You do need to make sure that you are really setting the business up for success. And you've got to be prepared to have really difficult conversations up front. Mm. And we have a partnership agreement. That was one of the first things that we did, which really outlined some key things. You know, what happens if one of us wanted to exit the business, for example? What happens, you know, in all those types of scenarios? So we have that. I think 
the one benefit and whether it's pure luck or it's just the fact that we are, you know, we think in a very similar way is that we're all very aligned in terms of what we want to do and the way in which we want to do it. Our approach is very not similar. We're not cookie cutter by any means, but we really thrive on having authentic relationships with our clients. We want to tell it as it is. We aren't going to... um, say something to them that just isn't relevant for them or doesn't Mm -hmm. meet their needs. So we are all very similar in the type of relationships we want to build and the type of partnering arrangements we have. Mm. Saying that, we do have disagreements and we might, you know, (laughs) know, um, I think we've started to learn how to really respectfully disagree and say, I get that, how can we add to that? Or if we didn't do that, what could that look like? And, Mm. you know, being HR people and facilitators, you know, we've got all the (laughs) tricks in our toolkit. You're all just facilitating each other. I love it. (laughs) Lots of post-it notes, but no, I think, you know, we are starting to learn how to be really, um, constructive around some of those conversations and um it's working really well for us so far I mean I love that because you know I think that's just a fundamental skill right like being able to have difficult conversations open conversations um being open to compromising I feel like that goes beyond just co-founder relationships you know that goes through to your leadership team to your employees you know I feel like that's just a good skill to have inside a business Absolutely. And it's probably just a good life skill, to be honest. And yes, it's funny. <laughs> you're always negotiating with somebody, kids Absolutely. eating their vegetables, you know, all the things. Exactly. Um, but I think one, um, one thing we are very conscious of is we coach leaders every day, CEOs and founders on best practice and what they should be doing. And sometimes we do have to hold the mirror up a little bit and go, are we doing that for ourselves? Mm. Would we, you know, encourage that in a business? So having that kind of lens is quite useful because it holds you to account a lot more. It's so funny because I always see that like website designers never have a good website because they spend all their time on like client work or, you know, the tradie always has the worst whatever because they do so much client work, they always neglect in-house. So I love that philosophy of actually holding up a mirror and kind of going, okay, hang on a second, are we applying these best practices in our own business? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important. And HR is always evolving. There's different, you Mm. know, um, theories that come out, there's different approaches and we want to road test that as well. You know, we want to um, show best practice, but if we're not living it, um, it's not very authentic from our point of view. Totally. And I think that's the same, like you can literally apply that to any business unit. You should always be looking to, you know, what's the new research? What are the new trends? Does it work for us? Does it not work for us? How does it work for each of our clients? Um, If you're not growing and learning and expanding, I think that you're doing yourself and your clients a disservice. Absolutely. And I think HR is such an emerging field, you know, not only Mm. from a technology perspective, but just even the soft skills required to actually navigate what we are having to deal with with employees. You know, it's been a really challenging couple of years and you always have to hone that skill. And leadership is a practice. Yes, um, definitely. You have to keep working at it. And that's what we really support our leaders with in terms of how can they bring their best selves and what else can they pull out of their toolkit to really um, have impact with their team. So that's what we focus on. 
That's so cool. And so from a growth point of view, so a lot of um, people dialing in uh, are obviously concerned about growing their businesses. How did you guys go about building up your client base? Were there specific strategies that you had or that you continue to have? Is it still a focus for you? What does that process look like? Yeah, I think we've been really lucky that a lot of our business to date has come through referrals. So people in our network and more so recently our clients, which I think is a real testament to the experience that we give them. But one thing we are conscious of is that we need a bit more of a deliberate strategy, hence our functional expertise, and I'm taking over sales. So, um, oh, cool. I know, so I might need to tap you up for some support. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Or therapy, one of the two. Yeah. But it is a bit nerve wracking. But what we do acknowledge is that, you know, the area that we work in is very competitive. There's a lot more people um, embarking on work like this. And we need to make sure that we are positioning ourselves to the clients that we want in the right way. And so we're really starting to articulate what that offer is what our client um, proposition is, and then how do we start to really target them. But to date, we haven't had to really do any um, kind of digital marketing or anything like that. But, you know, we're open to what that could all look like in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. That's so good. One of the things that we talk about a lot at Spark is that retention and referrals are the best sales strategies because they're free (laughs) for starters. And, and it's not you selling your business. It's people that know and trust you. And people, people do hold referrals in much higher regard than any kind of Instagram ad or, you know, um, it's something coming from the company. So I feel like, you know, your sales strategy is just doing a great bloody job, which, <laughs> yes. is, which is awesome. That's, and, you know, I feel like yeah, people get that kind of shiny object syndrome. They're like, oh, I need to be on Instagram. I need to be on LinkedIn. I need to be here. I need to be here. And they forget about just servicing the customers that they have. Um, so I actually love that approach. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think also in the type of work we do, we're working with people. And mm-hmm. when you're working with leaders on sometimes some really sensitive issues, you want to be able to have a really great relationship with them. They yes, want yes. to know you're credible, that, you know, they can have a really open conversation with you. And we find that that comes from people saying, oh, you know, Sim, Kira and Rochelle are amazing. They did some mm-hmm. awesome work with me. You know, you'll love them. And that's kind of the flow it's been, which has been really lovely. So, Um, but again, you can't always rest on that. So we need to think more strategically about that as well. Yeah. But also a fantastic base to go into any kind of new sales strategy or, you know, outbound sales strategy. If you've got those testimonials and case studies and that kind of amazing foundation that always, I think, sets you up, um, with, for a little bit better stead with your, your sales and marketing strategies. So that's (laughs) Yeah. So, Um, I think it is a a great platform to be starting from. So, yeah, we are in a much better position than two and a half years ago when we really only had one client. So I think it just shows that, you know, um, you can get. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So we're doing something right. That's so cool. And so talk to me at the beginning, you mentioned that you are a mom of twins. Yes. So how have you found moving from corporate to business life and still managing you as a human and family and all of those things? Yeah, I think it's been life-changing for me, to be honest. I've always 
loved corporate work. Don't get me wrong. And for the last few years of my time there, I was part-time. But I think true flexibility isn't doesn't equate to that. And part of my main reason for starting the business was to be there for my daughters. I've got aging parents as well. I want to be able to do all of these things and support all these people in my life. And it, the, the maths just wasn't adding up. I was like, this just isn't going to work. Yeah, but yeah. I have to say, I'm very grateful to have a partner that is very supportive of this kind of way of working as well, because although I can curate, you know, and design my work life, which is pretty amazing, um, it does take a bit of a team effort and, you know, us working together around that. But to be honest, the idea of going back into what is now a traditional corporate role for me, I just don't think that will ever work for me because it just, this just gives me so much freedom. It allows me to make my own decisions. It allows me to work in the way that I want to work. And those things really come put a price on. So it's just been really amazing for me. Oh, that is, that is awesome because I, you know, I, I do often see people who start businesses that don't make it work for them. And, you know, they end, they end up working 24-7, which is never ideal. So I love that you used the word, you know, design, what it looks like for you, because I think... So my inspiration for starting a business was, um, what's the book? Uh, the 4-Hour Workweek by Tim. Oh, yeah. And, of course, you never work four hours a week. <laughs> but it was the first time I was introduced to this idea of being able to design the life that you want. And, you know, I think that when we start a business, we do have to be really intentional about our life and not forget that we have a life and that we do want to design that business around that life or the lifestyle that we want to lead. And you know what? There's always seasons of life where you do work a little bit harder or a little bit less or, you know, those types of things. There's deadlines, all the things. But if you are super intentional about it and do go into it thinking about the goals that you have, like around family and life and all of those things, I think that you can build something pretty amazing. Yeah. And it's just funny. Today I was chatting to a client and I've got a bit of a framework. It's probably too fancy a word, but, you know, think about a Venn diagram where one circle in that is when thinking about a business is what's the opportunity? You know, what is the business opportunity? What is the market um, telling us what's the competitor landscape, all of those kind of um, indicators. And then what is the strength that you would personally bring to that? You know, so what's your unique proposition? You know, how would you solve that problem? Um, or what what is your passion around it? And then yeah. the third element is really that due diligence around, well, how's this going to work for my life? Because it's all good and well to have a couple of those things. But if it means that you're traveling for 10 months a year with a family, that might not actually work for you. Yeah. Or if you rely on a regular paycheck for the first year, that just might not be a reality. So mm. I think when you have those three considerations, if you can get a tick in all of those areas, that sweet spot kind of, it speaks for itself that that is a really great opportunity to go for. If there's not a tick in all of those areas, it doesn't necessarily mean a no, it just might mean a bit more thinking around what it could look like or who do you surround yourself with. So it was just something today that I used for the client and it worked really well. So uh, that's the process that I really used when I was starting to think about this business. That I just love that because I I feel like I do really genuinely feel like some people don't always consider, you know, what things will look like. So yeah. if you do have a framework that you can actually think about things, I even know just even of myself, you know, I've got two businesses, they both have different products. 
And sometimes I need to pull myself back. I'm like, oh my God, this would be an awesome product. And then I'm like, hang on a second. That means you're going to be delivering X, Y, Z, all those things. I'm like, that's not what you want to do. So yeah, please, exactly. that. please don't launch that. <laughs> you, I think so. I think, you know, taking that time to really consider what the the business looks like, what products or services look like inside your business um, and how they, you know, correlate to your skill set, your lifestyle, as you said. Um, that's such a cool idea. I really love it. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, I'm all for taking a risk and going for it. But I think, like you said, sometimes you just need to think about things and it may mean that you still go ahead and that's awesome, but it just might mean that you think about things differently and that's okay as well. Yeah, no, that is awesome. So then how do you look after you outside of business? Um, other than drinking wine. Um, on I'm, a on board, I'm on board. I'm on board. Kind of looking after me, I think this is another benefit of COVID, to be honest, is that I really picked up some really great habits and rituals during lockdown in Melbourne. Um, and I've carried those through. So I'm really focused on exercise, uh, reading, really having some great hobbies around that. I love traveling and kind of having weekends away or things locked in, I think is a really great motivator for me. Um, coincidentally, we, um, as a team, we do self-care September, which is. Um, oh my gosh, what is this? What is that magic? <laughs> Tell me about it. Up, but you know it's get on board um it's really where at the start of September you know you're out of the winter kind of slugginess and yep. you start to think about what you want to achieve and it could be any type of self-care goal so it could be um one of us is trying to meditate more I'm trying to exercise or move every morning before I start work someone's trying to get to bed a bit earlier to get a bit more sleep so you know just all these different things and each week we check in and um, we tr try to hold each other to account so it's just a really simple way that we bring you know wellness to the forefront for our team I'm also mm -hmm. using this with some of my friends as well so um, it's just something that's you know personally really important to me because if I just don't do some of these things I'm not a great human to be around to be honest <laughs> I'm a much better person I when I when I do some of these things I you know what and I love that too how you know you said as a team you're coming together to do this I um I'm I've seen a lot of the quiet quitting memes that are going around at the moment and you know a lot of them are based on the idea that employers do ask employees to go above and beyond and I feel like whilst I look I'm I'm a bit old school where I feel like you're supposed to go above and beyond yeah. so I struggle I struggle a little bit with this yeah. whole thing but I do believe in bringing the idea of self-care and, you know, mental health awareness. And if your employees are happy and look after themselves, they will perform better and will go above and beyond. So I actually love the idea that you're doing it as a team um, and actually drawing awareness to looking after yourself first and, you know, and then bringing that into the business. So that's, that's super cool. Yeah. And I think it's just, something small, but I think it's just indicative of the types of thinking and initiatives organisations actually need to have now. Mm. You need to see the whole self and that's what employees are looking for. They want their leader to see their whole life, not just their work life. And yes. we now know that there are so many different things that can impact someone's performance. And I think that being 
spoken about more is a great thing because I think we can start to equip leaders to be able to actually think about, well, knowing all of this, how do we really try to get the most out of this person? So I think it's only upside, to be honest. Oh, yeah. And I love, I actually love that. Um, that's well, spins probably the wrong word, but that that approach to it, right? Because I think we're on Instagram seeing all of these memes and just freaking out. Yeah. But I, so I love the idea. I was like, no, okay, this is obviously an issue that we're dealing with right now. How do we actually think more, um, you know, open-minded, be more strategic? And actually, now that we know about this and we have the awareness, how do we change the way we do business or, you know, implement different processes, practices inside the organization to make sure our staff don't feel like that. Yeah, exactly right. And I think we ask a lot of leaders, you know, a lot of uh, employees experience really depends on the leader that they have. And so they play such a, like we all know, we've had amazing leaders and ones that really weren't as effective. And it really impacts the experience you have at the organisation and whether you stay or whether you go. And so part of the role we play and the emphasis we put on leaders and really upskilling them and giving them the skills and tools and confidence to be able to lead their teams. And that's become even more complex over the last couple of years. But I think when organisations really focus on leaders of all levels, the impact is really profound and you can see the benefit in performance and engagement, retention and all those kind of key people metrics that we look at. Yeah. And it's just, you know, really interesting. You know, I just had that thought of, you know, we just talked about, you know, a great sales strategy being retention, you know, and obviously the more you can keep customers and have them referring you, but it's the same with employees. The more that you can hold on to staff, you know, the better return there is for the business because you're not continuing to upskill people that are leaving. Like, so actually focusing in on that culture and retention is so important just from a business strategy point of view. Yeah, it is. And I think the flip of retention as well, though, is sometimes it's okay if people leave, you know, if they've got, you know, if they've learned everything and they've created all the impact that they can, wouldn't you want as a leader to be able to see them grow and develop somewhere else? So I think it is kind of striking that balance around Mm -hmm. retention and engagement, but also really supporting career growth and individual preference about what people want to do and I think when you start to kind of put all these things together you know you start to um, really land what your kind of culture is and what your proposition is so it's yeah it's quite exciting. I love it that is absolutely awesome so let's leave the sparks with one more thing (laughs) so if you could give a new business owner uh, any advice starting out what would it be so it could either be about your experience going into business or perhaps even just the people and culture lens is there something that you would tell a new business owner when they were getting started yeah so I think From a people and culture perspective, I think there's a tendency to think about only needing HR or people and culture or a focus on people. You don't even need an expert when you've got a bigger team, you know, when you hit 15 or 20 people. But I truly believe whenever you start to recruit is when you should be starting to think about your people strategy and the culture you want to create. Even if it's one or two people, having those foundations in place and being really deliberate about the type of culture and experience and um, the type of work you want to create 
is irrelevant regardless of size. You know, it's really important to do that from day dot. And I think businesses that genuinely care about their people, um, what we notice is the co-founders who have that people focus are the ones that are starting to think about that from day one. And it really shows in terms of how they grow, how they scale and how they perform. That is absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and experience with us, Simone. Cheers for having a a virtual vino with me today. Um, I could not appreciate you anymore. Thank you so much. That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.